to health, illness, and recovery. I am your host, Eric Collins. Join me and my special guests as we discuss a variety of health issues and explore the many pathways of illness and recovery. Cheers. So welcome to another edition of Health, Illness, and Recovery. I'm your host, Eric Collins, and I'm here with our very special guest today, Caitlin Harris. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me. Hi. Yeah, it's an honor and a a pleasure to have you on the show. So today, just as a a little uh, heads up, we're going to be talking about um, sort of the development towards and the experiences of substance use disorders and addiction. So uh, just a just a little word of caution that uh, if there's little ones around, you may want to, you know, uh, have them tune out or, or, or just be cautious about what's being said here. We won't go too, too deep, but um, just a heads up. Okay, so Caitlin, tell me a little bit about yourself. Are you from the London area? I always ask this question. Are, are you from London? Um, just outside of London. So grew up um, just maybe about 10, 20 minutes west of London and uh, have always resided in and around the London area. So what was the, so tell me a little bit about your family. Mom, dad at home, brothers and sisters, what's family life look like when you're young? Yep. So when I was young, um did grow up with my mom, dad and older brother. And um yeah, we uh I guess typical you know, rural um I guess middle, like maybe lower to middle class family, um, factory working parents. And, um, when, uh, yeah, they ended up, there was a bit of a challenge and they ended up losing their jobs at one point. And, um, so I think mom and dad at the same time, yeah, within six months. Yeah. So, um, you know, things ended up kind of getting a little bit bumpy after that. Um, my brother was six years older and, um, yeah, we had our extended family that were pretty close by, and so a lot of family time. We were close with our neighbors, and uh, yeah, my mom went back to school. She took the opportunity after losing her job to really kind of, you know, jump back in, get retrained and everything like that. Um, unfortunately, my dad uh, struggled, and uh, that kind of led to further issues. So why was like, what happened in terms of the, the job loss was the like factory. Industry. Yeah. Just factory closures. Just closing up shop. And so like, um, financially did the family struggle? How did you maintain? How did the family get by? Yeah, exactly. So, um, unemployment at the time. Um, so that's through, it was through EI that my mom, um, ended up going through getting retrained, went back, you know, got her grade 12, went to Fanshawe, my dad, I don't believe, had his grade 12 either. Um, so he was seeking more, like, you know, factory work, things like that. Um, so, yeah, financially it was tough. Um, yeah. So how did you and your brother, um, if you could take me back, how did you understand or experience this time in your family's life when, when mom and dad were out of a job? So that happened when I was about five, I believe. So I was quite young. Um, my memories are mom was always working because she ended up getting like a second job. You know, I think she was working two jobs and going to school. So mom was very much just absent, um, kind of like providing for the family. And um, a lot of extended family support, um, spent a lot of time at the babysitters, you know, our neighbors, um, my aunts. And, uh, because my brother was older, he did a lot of babysitting mm-hmm. and, um, 
as I mentioned, my dad kind of took the loss of employment difficult. So my memories were a lot of, yeah, seeing my dad, I guess, struggling with, with his own response to the challenges. Um, you know, he ended up struggling. He, he struggled with mental health and alcohol use as well. Um, and that ended up getting a lot worse after losing his employment. So how did you, like, were your parents, how did they talk to you about, or did they talk to you about your, your dad's mental health issues? Not at all. They didn't talk about it at all. So is it something that you and your brother noticed, or is this something that was, was, was spoken about with your family, like, um, later into your adult life or something like, yeah. Hey, here's what was going on. Yeah. So I would say that, uh, it was very obvious, right? There were times that the ambulance would have to get called and, and, uh, so I could see, like I, I was observing all of it, but my mom did a really good job of trying to keep me, I guess, isolated or sheltered from it. Right. Um, so she would send me away, but I could, oh, I could overhear. I was, um, when I was eight, I was deemed intellectually gifted. So I was a lot more, I guess, aware than maybe they gave me credit for, um, while I was younger. But yeah, no, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation about it. Just that, you know, my dad was sick and yeah, that there was really, my brother had a lot more exposure, um, because he, he was older, right. And, and he was kind of like my mom's little man. And so he was like, you know, picking up a lot of the responsibility and things like that. Um, so yeah, he was more aware I guess, explicitly or overtly, whereas I just kind of made sense of it on my own, as far as I can remember. How did you cope with it? So actually I coped through, um, eating. Okay. So I was an overweight little girl. And, um, and so I think that that was really like my first kind of, um, strategy of self-soothing and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that became, yeah, that became my, my coping that and play. Like I would like play a lot either. Um, I guess like imaginatively, right? Like go out and play with my friends or, uh, or like with the neighbors, um, with my Barbies, uh, that sort of thing. But a lot of like a lot of emotional issues. Like I look back and I even remember like being as young as five and thinking about my death, right? Like thinking, like I remember explicitly this, this one image of, um, being like, oh, like if I were to die, would anybody come to my funeral sort of thing? Just feeling really kind of like isolated, emotional issues, um, not no, having no words or, you know, language for it, but just this sense of like doom and just unrest and disconnection and, and no real, yeah, kind of concept of what it was. Like disconnection from, from family, friends, disconnection from, from what exactly? I think from like everything. Yeah. And most people, most, and I think that really followed with me. Like I felt so actually, um, I remember learning later that my brother had kind of observed me on the schoolyard okay. and I was always playing by myself, either that or like walking with the, the, um, the teachers, like the, those who are on yard duty. Yes. So I never really connected with people my own age. I was kind of like, I don't know, off kind of doing my own thing. So didn't, so I struggled socially, um, struggled emotionally and, um, yeah. So, I mean, would you say that you had friendships when you were back then? Did you have 
friends, uh, any friends at school that you could connect with, even if it was for a short period of time? There were friends on and off over the years. Um, public school was really difficult. Um, but I did, I did develop friendships. Like I, I was, you know, friends with my cousin, she was six months younger. So she and I were close. We spent a lot of time together, but even around like eight and nine, that kind of got off. Um, with my babysitter, she had four daughters. And so we were really close. Um, so we played a lot and stuff like that. Um, but again, like I was, I was there all the time, but it was like, they were watching me. So I had to be there. So I don't really know about the authenticity of the friendships. Like Mm -hmm. I remember walking home from school with everybody and like being like pushed in the snow and kicked and like teased and, and all of that. Um, and I remember explicitly like the friend's friends being there. Right. So it was kind of, um, just the sense of, I don't know, maybe not really sure who my friends were. Right. Right. Um, but like, you know, you have birthday parties and well, my birthday was in the summer. So that was one thing that I didn't like because, uh, you know, the kids were off for doing their summer things, but yeah. So would you say you were bullied? Was it like a chronic issue? See, it's interesting because I both was bullied and also was a bully, which I've come to learn is also one of it can be common, but also um, it, those are the individuals who kind of exhibit the more complex social emotional issues. Um, so that made sense. So I guess, yeah, I was definitely bullied. I remember from the older kids too, because I was about five four at like nine years old right. and um, like 140 pounds. Like I was a large child. And, um, so yeah, like bigger than I am now as an adult. And so that, I guess I I was kind of like an easy target. And then, um, especially, you know, after losing my dad and everything, which I know I didn't mention. Um, but, uh, yeah, just a lot of like emotional, social issues and just always feeling separate, you know, not, I didn't really fit. So then I would try to do things to kind of fit in with the crowd, but it usually just ended up making me that much more, um, of an outsider. Did anyone, did anyone talk to you about this? Like any adults or anything? Was anyone like, Hey, you know, you you seem to be, there's something going on with you. Can, do you want to talk about this? Was there anything like that? No. So, um, after my dad passed away, I, um, my mom put me into a dietitian and because I was overweight. And so she figured, okay, now that, you know, now that, my dad's gone. She can kind of spend more time focusing on me. My dad really struggled with like um, psychiatric issues. So he was in and out of the hospital and, and whatnot. So my mom had a lot of energy put that way. Um, so then when I started going to the dietitian and they just looked at it as like a, a food issue, right? And there was no discussion around like the social emotional issues. Right. Um, it was like, okay, Caitlin's overweight. So let's teach her about Canada's food guide. And, you know, oh, she just gained 15 pounds in a three month period since the last checkup. <laughs> let's reinforce to her the importance of having a balanced meal. <laughs> like, right. um, there was really no, I'm not sure. I, I must say like my mom and I, like we have an amazing relationship and she now can look back and see where she feels like she's dropped the ball, um, which I'm like, mom, you know, like, you know, forgive yourself. It's all good. Like I've come on the other side. Um, but in all reality, there was a long time that I had a lot of resentment towards her and towards the situation. Why? Um, because I think there was a lot that could have been done, right? Like, I think that there were opportunities to look at this little girl who's crying every day, who doesn't want to go to school, who's, 
binge eating and clearly struggling. Um, and there was no support for me. Right. Um, even I'm surprised, like, okay, it's one thing my mom was young. So she was a young widow doing the best she can. Um, our family doctor had told her not to put me and my brother into counseling after my dad ended his life because why rehash the past? It was traumatic. Why go through it? Might as well leave it in the past sort of the, thing. The family doctors recommended this. Yeah. Right. So, um, which I can understand, you know, this was tw- over 20 years ago now. So there wasn't a whole lot of understanding. There was a lot of stigma. Um, so there wasn't that kind of informed, I guess, there, it was it was a less informed society, I think, back then. And my uh, physician, the family doctor, had actually retired a couple years later. So you could tell he was just an older mentality. Yeah. Um, but I can see, like, oh, my goodness, you know, we needed grief counseling. We needed some sort of something to be able to support us through this and to learn healthy coping. And, and my mom, she was so resilient. Like she's just such an amazing woman and, and always bounced back. She, nobody at work ever knew what was going on. She was just able to really kind of put her head down, work hard, get her stuff done and take care of the family and just really strong and resilient, never struggled with mental health or, you know, depression, anxiety, anything like that. Um, so she didn't really know how to identify what I was experiencing. So I don't blame her. Um, but I did for a while. Um, when I was about 13, I remember talking to her saying, you know, mom, I, I think we're more like dad than we always thought. Cause we kind of had this saying that I take after, you know, my dad's side of the family. And, uh, I think I caught her off guard and she didn't really know how to respond. And she thought, said, like, what do you mean? And uh, I was like, you know, like maybe I'd, maybe I'd like to talk to somebody and she kind of brushed it off. Like, no, you're fine. And, uh, I don't think it's any surprise that that was the same year that I actually started, um, using marijuana mm-hmm. as I, I believe as a coping mechanism. So there's a lot to unpack here and we will, but before we get into that, I want to, uh, you know, wish you, I know it's many years ago, but you know, mm-hmm. my condolences for the passing of your father and you and I have spoken before and we know how, you know, significant of an impact, his life and the passing had on you in your development in your life. But the first thing I want to ask you is to go back to the binge eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we quickly spoke about this before we turned on the recorder is the self-medication hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And so would you say that um, you were self-medicating uh, with food? For sure. And so did you understand that that's what was going on when you were, when you were young? no, I had no idea, but I remember this like compulsive, like gaping hole almost. And now I can identify it as like anxiety or like emptiness or something. But I just, I was like compulsively trying to fill this hole within me. Um, and food brought me comfort. You know, I, I looked forward to it. I enjoyed it. I was a good eater. Uh, you know, um, you never had to. Like it was something that, and it was also like, it was a social thing and, um, it was like a reward. Right. Um, so I definitely got a lot from, it. I looked forward to it. Um, yeah, it was definitely my comfort. Like were there foods in particular that you were gravitating towards like with sugar and candy and, and sweets or, or fatty food, just anything all really? All of it, honestly, right, right. all of it. Like I would eat, like I could eat like three granola bars. I could eat like an entire bag of chips. I would eat like all the, um, like ice cream, cheese. Oh, cheese is probably like my, you know, 
Um, it's jam. <laughs> <laughs> but even I remember being like, I was probably nine years old, and I remember eating an entire um, can of Campbell's uh, cream of mushroom soup. Right, right. And like a bunch of crackers. And my brother and his friends came home, and my mom was like, was it my mom and my brother? They're like, you ate the entire can? And like, kind of like, I see it now. It's like, they kind of like shamed me. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it was like, I would eat everything and it would be like compulsive. Like it would have to be like even. Right. It was almost like a, there was like a, like a compulsive nature to it as well. Like an obsessive compulsive. Yeah. And I would have like certain like patterns of, as well. And it, I guess it would, yeah, it'd give me comfort and it would be after school. You know, I know my mom would be making dinner. She always had healthy meals, but I would get into these, um, yeah, just these compulsive patterns, I guess. And I would hide food. I remember sneaking it. And then I would hide it and I would hide the evidence. So if I ate like four puddings, right. First of all, I don't know how my mom never noticed because she did all the groceries, <laughs> but like, I remember like I would eat them all yeah. and then I would hide them like behind the washing machine. Um, and like in this, like in our basement like, yeah, or like an entire bag of chips, like it would just be gone. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Cause once you eat too much, you can't put it back. Cause it's obvious that, that I ate it. Right. Yeah. 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 So I would, uh, so yeah, I would hide it. And I remember before we moved, having so much anxiety, like, Oh my gosh, they're going to find all this garbage. But I don't know what ended up happening. So, so, so did you like, did that binge eating disorder continue into, into your, your later childhood and into mm-hmm. adolescence? Mm-hmm. So how did you, were you ever treated for it or how did that, it, does it still exist today? So, um, I guess it, it has, it morphed or kind of like, um, changed over the years. So once I got a little bit older and I realized, okay, like I've got to be like, I've got to try to fit in socially. Right. So when I was about 11, I tried to like fit in socially. And, um, what do you mean by that? Like I saw my, my grade, my grades dropped and I just wanted to be cool. Like I just wanted to fit in part of the, to be part of the crowd and I was successful at that. Right. Um, so what did you have to do? Did you have like this master plan where you're like, I'm going to change my clothes. I'm going to do this. And honestly, no, but I just kind of all of a sudden fit into this, like the cool crowd. And I think a lot of it was, I started making fun of people. Okay. So I was like, like I said, I was bullied and then I became a bully. Um, so I think that was part of it. Um, but yeah, and then I just ended up, I think also too, because I had an older brother. So I knew a lot more of like stuff, right. you know, like cool things or like, I guess now you see it as like antisocial behaviors, Okay. but I was like more knowledgeable about like partying and like swearing. Like I prided myself on being more, I don't know. Edgy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So this is like, how old are you around this? I point? was like, started around probably like 10, 11. Okay. So 10 or 11 years old. So, and when did your father pass away? When I was eight. Okay. So let's, let's kind of pump the brakes a little bit on where we're at in this <laughs> conversation and just kind of unpack a little bit. Like, so your father is quite ill while you're a child, mm-hmm. right? And then he passes away. Do you mind talking about that a little bit about like, kind of like what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandma, um, his mom, they were really close and she had cancer and ended up passing away. Um, and that really rocked him. So he had been about six months sober at this point. His mental health had been stabilized. Um, he had a job, but, and like things were, were good. Um, from what I'm, from what I'm told. Mm -hmm. And then when she passed away, um, I guess 
he went with her is how my mom describes it. And uh, so he didn't have the coping mechanisms, I guess, in place. And um, so I guess, you know, they got through that week, got through the the, the funeral. And uh, my mom had made it, or I guess he called the psychiatrist and they'd made an appointment to meet with the psychiatrist on the Monday morning because they just knew that something wasn't right. And uh, on the Sunday morning before his appointment, he uh, ended his life. So, yeah, really devastating. Like I can, I can't imagine how he must have been feeling. Well, over the years, because I've also gotten myself into that mindset, so I can identify with how he may have been feeling. Um, but really heartbreaking. How old was your father around that time? He was thirty nine. Thirty nine years old. Yeah. So where? So grandma passes away. Where's your grandfather? Like his dad? He had already passed away when I was about six months old. So like eight years. Eight years. So ago. he loses both of his parents um, within like a. How old were you when when grandma passed away? Eight. Eight. So like within like a eight year window, um, you know he loses both of his parents and he's struggling with his own issues. Is he? Um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but is he? Does, at any point does he go to residential drug treatment? Is he? You know, you said he's in and out of hospitals. Is he kind of like what kind of health care is he receiving from what you remember? So from what I remember. Um, I just remember like seventh floor Vic, um, um, and like a lot of medications, like on and off medications. I remember him a lot of sleeping. Um, I remember like, they just didn't really know what was wrong with him. Um, it, yeah. Again, cause I, my mom kind of sheltered me from a lot of it. So like, right. I remember seeing the ambulance, but like, I wouldn't actually be there in the crisis mode. Right. 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 Um, but yeah, not a lot of support. Like he had a psychiatrist, but again, they didn't really know how to help him. Um, yeah. So what are like, tell me a little bit about your dad. What are some fond memories you have about your father mm -hmm. uh, and your, and your family when you were, when you were young? Yeah. I remember, I was actually thinking about it this weekend. I remember going fishing. Um, so my dad was a fisherman and a hunter and, and, uh, he was really heavily involved kind of with the, uh, um, with like a, like his brothers and, and a group of men that they all kind of, you know, went to the sportsman club and that sort of thing. And yeah. very much involved in that sort of like wreck life. Um, so yeah, I remember going fishing. I remember going skating, um, canoeing. He uh, was like an avid athlete. He was really, really gifted. Um, he built our house. Um, so I remember that's a really fond memory. Just thinking like he was so talented Um yeah, jokester for sure. Yeah, great sense of humor, and um, I was, I was this tiny girl. Like I was, this, you know, he he's definitely a huge fan, <laughs> and uh, so I know. Yeah, I was definitely um, like daddy's little girl, and yeah, he was really proud of of having my brother and I for sure. So there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot of things, a lot of big events that happen in your, in your young life. And, um, for the most part, it sounds like you're kind of just cruising through towards, um, you know, later childhood and early adolescence without really, I guess, really addressing like some of these issues. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. So 
so to go back to where we got where we were talking about before we started talking about your dad and I think the binge eating disorder. Sorry, mm-hmm. we're all over the place, but we're trying to unpack this here. And you you spoke about you know you're you're starting to change a little bit. You're starting to do your best to fit in and. With that, what kind of behaviors did you start to engage in that were um, new to you at that time? Um, well, I remember like like cigarettes, like having access to cigarettes. Um, so by you said ten years, so like ten, eleven years old, you're smoking cigarettes already. Yeah, like not regularly, but like when they're available, sort of thing. So how does that happen? Like for the parents out there who are listening, who have like young kids like that, and who may be concerned, I think you know my child is smoking, or what? What should I look for, or what to expect? Take me into like what your first experiences with tobacco were like for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I I'm pretty sure I remember stealing a drag of my grandma's smoke back. So that would have been before she passed away when I was eight. Okay. You were right? eight years old. So I must have, yeah. Like, so way back then, cause they would always shoot smoked all the time. Right. And, we, and I hung out, out with her a lot. So we would, you know, drink tea. And I, I remember like stealing a drag of a cigarette. Um, what, but, what, why did you, were you just curious? I what? don't know. Yeah. I must've been curious. Yeah. And just like, yeah, I don't know. So what did you think about it when you did it at the time? Where did you get anything out of it? I honestly don't remember, but I do remember, and this is actually really embarrassing, but um, I remember being probably around like 10 or 11. Yeah. And like there's cigarette butts on the ground. Right, right, right. right. And like, you know, my friends, like, like I remember like having a lighter and like lighting things and uh, like literally this is like the most disgusting thing, but like picking up a cigarette off the the ground and like taking a drag of the butt. Yeah. Um, so it was like, I don't know if it was for like the head rush. I don't know if it was like just to be cool or it was like, I just, again, had this compulsive desire need, or I don't know what to like, just, I don't know. Like, honestly, when I think back on that, I'm like, what was I thinking? I I don't really quite understand where my head was at at the time. Or if it was maybe like to look cool or to look tough or to look like I'm down for anything. Like, I don't know what exactly I was thinking, but. Were your peers at that point, were they already doing that when you joined them? Or or was this something that you initiated and you showed the group, hey, you can just grab these cigarettes and smoke them or like. I remember it was like me and one other kid did it, but like. And most other people didn't. Right. Right. Like I, and that kind of, that pattern kind of stemmed through, like followed me throughout my adolescent years as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like an opportunity would arise and I would jump on the opportunity and be like, Oh, like, Hey, like, I don't know. So your grades are starting to slip, as you said, Mm -hmm. um, kind of intentionally as you, you're trying to, I guess, develop and succeed in other avenues of your development. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I'm sure, um, alcohol is probably the next thing. Alcohol and cannabis would be the next two things that are introduced. This is that. Yeah. So actually I remember drinking, um, at my uncle's wedding when I was 11 and, uh, I remember making jokes. I was like taking drinks, um, Cause again, like I have like older cousins and stuff. So they were all drinking and I remember drinking your brother too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah. I remember like making jokes about like how I broke the seal. Cause like I ended up having to go to the bathroom all the time and I'm like, Oh, and then I remember trying to like prove the fact like I can walk in a straight line, but I thought it was so cool. I look right. back, I'm like, I'm 11 years old. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the time, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. So would you say that was your first experience at your uncle's wedding? Yeah. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick break, but join me for the second half of my interview with Caitlin Harris as she describes the progression of her substance use disorder in more detail. Stay tuned. 